Good morning. It's good to be here. Thank you, Pastor John, for inviting me to continue to be part of a series called Culture Wars. And I'll be focusing in on the whole topic of politics. I'll get to that in a minute. Um, it was great to be away last past week from our uh, at our cabin, and it was a lot of fun. We had friends there, and we had a great time. But we always miss our, our grandkids, Stella and Turner. And uh, so I, but as many of you know, I used to speak about my dogs a lot, and now it's about whenever I get a chance to talk, it's about our, my grandkids. So there you go. We moved from dogs to grandkids, both important. Uh, so I was, last time I spoke, I said that I'm always learning things from children, and I've always learned from my own children when I did, was involved in kids' ministries and still am involved in KCS. Always learn from, from kids, and they teach me powerful things, and they teach me powerful things about prayer. That was my topic last time, and I've learned about prayer from uh, my granddaughter Stella the other, a, a while back. Jelaine was trying to get her into her car seat, and she couldn't get it in the, the, I don't know if you've ever done car seats, but they get twisted up, the straps get twisted up, and they're all twisted up, and she's trying, and she was mumbling to herself, I can't get these, you know, untwisted, I, I can't get them together, and finally Stella said, untwist them, Jesus, <laughs> and, and she got them, so it worked. I learned from Stella that we can pray and God responds in a way that's best for us and meets our needs. You know, b before I pray and get into the sermon, one of the things I used to experience over the 32 years I did ministry was I always had really weird prayer, um, sorry, dreams about things going on in ministry, that really unusual things like I'd be counseling somebody in the room that we use for counseling and one of the staff members would drive a bus into the counseling room to tell me that I had to do something else. So dream, really weird dreams like that. And last night, and I haven't had those for a long, I've been retired. At the end of this month, it'll be eight, four years that I've been retired. So those dreams have kind of gotten away. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I don't know what that means. <laughs> Thank God he's not here these last four years. Or, um, so I was, I had it, and I normally don't have those dreams anymore. And it's, I don't, it's not because I get anxious. I'm not really an anxious person, but I have a real strong sense of responsibility. If you've ever done those, you know, where you find your strength finder and you have five strengths, if you've ever done that kind of thing, I, responsibility is very high up for me. So I take things very seriously when I'm, I feel really responsible for serving Jesus and people's lives and everything. So last night, I was, in, and of course I knew I had to get up and speak today, so I had this dream where I was doing kids capers, which I did 15 years of kids capers, so I was really used to that. Got to do a barbecue this past summer with one of the camps, which was fun. And I was doing, I was, I was supposed to be at Kids Capers, but I kept getting stopped from getting there because of people's problems. And I missed all of Monday of Kids Capers, so I missed a whole day. And then I got there Tuesday, and I was trying to get there, and people would stop me and say, oh, Pastor Wayne, I've got this problem or that problem. And then as I was just getting closer, our, one of our preschool teachers, Bronwyn, stopped me and wanted to sing a song to me. So... <laughs> My dream was me sitting there listening to her sing this really slow folk song. And then, and then I heard something going on with Kids Capers. I ran there, and 
the junior leader says, oh, you're the guy that's supposed to be helping me here. And, and Debbie had, was there, and she stepped, my wife, and she stepped in and says, yeah, I've taken over for you because I knew you were doing other things. So that was my dream, and I hope that that doesn't happen again tonight. <laughs> Let us pray. Holy Spirit, we invite you now to continue to teach us, to build your truth into our lives. Will we know the truth? We will be able to act on the truth in your power to the glory of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So you may have heard me say in the past that uh, I get quite excited about things and I have very strong opinions about things and I'll say, that's the best movie I've ever seen or this is the greatest experience I've ever had or anybody's ever had. And I'll just make these statements out loud and you've heard me say that Debbie will say, is that your opinion or is that a fact? And I always say, well, they're both the same thing. <laughs> Unfortunately, when it comes to discussion on politics, facts and opinions seem to be blurred. In our teaching series called Culture Wars, we've been talking about pain and suffering, we've been talking about racism, the end of days, relationships, and those of us teaching are teaching our our best based on what we understand the scriptures, the authority of scriptures to be teaching. And that's what I'm going to be doing today as I talk about politics. Now, before I went to seminary and got my degree in seminary before I became a pastor, I studied at the U of S and got my Bachelor of Arts degree in uh, political science and sociology. And I was very, very involved on campus with a political group. I had very strong opinions and beliefs and never hesitated to voice them. And something has never changed over the years, and that's that there's always been differences in political ideas and beliefs. But today what I've noticed is that there's more divisiveness than I've ever noticed before. There's differences, but there's more divisiveness. Now just let me stop for a second and say there is a difference between a difference and divisiveness. We can have differences. We can have differences within our own body of believers, within this community of Christ. We can have differences with our neighbors and other people. It's okay to have differences. That's just disagreeing with, an, with another person. We often use the term, we can agree to disagree. We just can have differences. Divisiveness is an attitude. It's an attitude that not only do I disagree with you, but I don't like you. And I don't want to be around you. I don't respect you. I may even really hate you because you have a different opinion than I have. Divisiveness causes splits. Differences don't have to cause splits. Differences don't have to cause uh, hatred or disrespect or dishonoring somebody. But divisiveness is our response, our negative response to differences. So we want to have differences when it comes, and I'm talking about politics here, this applies to everything, but we don't want to have divisiveness we are where we're divided from other people. And I find this in particular to be true on the internet. I find when you look at the internet, you see this divisiveness really stands out. And opinions and facts really do blur on the internet. Everybody is an expert. All ideas are equal. And what's most disconcerting to me is the high level of hatred and disrespect that's on the internet. It troubles me to see people who are followers of Jesus 
posting words and pictures that are angry, disrespectful, and even abusive, that are not reflective of Jesus Christ. Today, I want to focus on two particular areas and the areas of citizenship, what it means to us, for us as followers of Jesus to be citizens of Canada and what it means for us to, as followers of Jesus to be citizens of the kingdom of Jesus. And I'm going to be emphasizing responsibilities over rights. Going to be emphasizing responsibilities over rights. As a follower of Jesus, responsibilities are more important and supersede our rights. Jesus modeled this principle, this principle of living, this principle of giving, this principle of responsibility over rights. He gave up equality with God to become a human being. He gave up his life that we might have life. Jesus always put responsibilities over rights. So let's start with responsibilities as Canadian citizens. Now, 2,000 years ago, two of Jesus' very first followers, Paul and Peter, gave some instruction from God about being a citizen of Rome. So they were Roman citizens, part of the Roman Empire. Now, keep in mind, this was not a democracy. I think if you've studied any history, you know that the Roman Empire was not a democracy. In fact, it favored the rich. It favored the powerful. So it was not a democracy like we live in, where we have the right to uh, publicly disagree with our government. They didn't have that opportunity. So they're writing from a position of a dictatorship, of an empire. Now keep that in mind when I read this, these three scriptures, because that, I think, gives more power to what they write. So this is found, these are found in the, these are three different scriptures found in the New Testament, and that's the second part of the scriptures, and let me read these to you. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from the fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right, and you will be commended. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but a, a better, much better reason, but as a matter of conscience. By the way, just as a matter of un, uh, interest, um, this is really different from what, we've ex what we experienced, those of you who are lawyers, and I think we even have a judge or two in here. Um, the judges of the day actually had swords or long knives, and that if you uh, were found guilty, they, they pronounced of a capital crime, they would uh, do the judgment right there. Not only did they judge you guilty, but they also executed you right at, right at the trial. So that's what Paul's talking about here. This is also why you pay taxes, not because of that knife thing, but this is also why you pay taxes. For the authorities of God are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. 
Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we might live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. So what do we learn from these two followers of Jesus? There's three commands here that we need to take seriously as citizens of Canada. The first one is obey governing authority. Obey governing authority. Paul and Peter said that all authority was instituted by God. It was established to bring about order, to provide peace, to punish the wrongdoer, and to commend those who do right. They taught when you are obeying governing authority, you are obeying God. Now just a quick note here, a quick note. When when the writer Paul says God establishes authority, there's disagreement amongst scholars and interpreters of Scripture and whether that means God is establishing a principle of authority, that there's the idea that there should be an authority who establishes order, punishes, rewards, etc., etc., or does he actually establish uh, particular governments? Now, that's a conversation that someday, if you want to have that with me, you can buy me uh, Diet Coke and we can have that conversation. But I tend towards the first one. My opinion is towards the first one, which is God establishes the general idea of, a, of authority. And then you can certainly disagree with me, but I think you'd be wrong and I'd be right. So, but feel free. But are there times we should disobey authority? Yes, of course, there are times. When the government, and this is... This is strictly what I think is the only time to disobey authority. Again, opinion. When the government is doing the opposite of its God-given mandate, when the government punishes the one who does right and commends the wrongdoer, then it's time to disobey authority. Some of you have heard of Corey Ten Boom. If you haven't heard of her, Google that and you'll find her name, and it'll give you a long description of this woman who lived during World War II and she was, some of her family were killed in concentration camps. She made it through the concentration camps. The reason that her family was there was not because they were Jewish, but because they were Dutch people who hid Jewish people who were being taken to concentration camps or about to be taken to concentration camps. So they hid people in their house. And eventually they were found out, put in the concentration camp. As I said, some of her family was killed. After it was done, she became what she called a tramp for the Lord and traveled around the world and shared the love of Christ, even met at her meetings people who were guards at the concentration camps that she was in, at the prisoner of war camps that she was in, and forgave them and showed them the love of Jesus Christ. She, they, they disobeyed authority because the, the government of Hitler was doing the exact opposite of what God had mandated. They were punishing those who are doing right and commending those who are doing wrong and doing wrong themselves. In that situation, 
they were disobeying authority, rightfully so. Now, this is the warning here. This is not an excuse to disobey just because you disagree or just because you dislike. We might not like what the government is doing. We're not, we might not like how they're going about doing it. It's okay to speak out. It's okay to protest. It's okay to voice concerns. It's okay, and we should get involved, but to do so in a respectful manner. It's not okay when we do not like or disagree to disobey. So our first responsibilities as followers of Jesus, as citizens of Canada, is to obey those in governing authority. The second principle, the second truth, is that we must respect those in authority. Respect and honor are a difficult action and attitude to maintain when we don't like or disagree with those in authority. Let me say that again. Respect and honor is a difficult attitude and a difficult action to maintain when we do not like or disagree with those in authority. When I, when I grew up many thousands of years ago, it seems like, when I grew up, my, I learned that it doesn't matter whether you agree or disagree, like or dislike somebody in authority, you always respected them. You treated them with respect. That was just a part of being a human being, but also being a follower of Jesus. Now, I like Facebook. I'm an old guy, but I like Facebook. It's a great way to keep up and connect with family and friends. So I'm on Facebook pretty much every day. I rarely post anything. I just find out what people are doing. Jelaine posts pictures, and I see things from friends I had like 50 years ago, and just enjoy keep keeping up with people. By the way, talking about divisiveness, I'm also on, I'm a big, I've been a Leaf and a Rider fan since, like, I can remember. If you want to see divisiveness and difference at work, go to the, I'm on the Facebook page of Leaf, Leaf fans and Rider fans. Oh, my man. These guys can talk trash, and they do so a lot. So, like, like I'm just warning you, if you go on there, it's, it can be really iffy. Um, I try to stay out of those arguments. I just like to hear what people say about games and et cetera. But talk about divisiveness. That's, that's the place to go to see that. It's troubling for me, though, as I said before, that when I see followers of Jesus putting pictures and words that are disrespectful to leaders like our prime minister. You, can, you, you know, when you read these and you see these pictures, you can actually feel, you can actually feel the anger and the negative attitude and sometimes the hate seeping out of those pictures and those words. You can actually feel that person typing them and experience an attitude that comes out that's almost hateful. And it's troubling for me. Now, that doesn't mean, again, that we can't disagree on particular areas of, you know, what a, what a government is deciding to do. You can say, I don't particularly like that legislation, or I think that's a bad decision. But when you are attacking disrespectfully individuals in governing power, and then you call yourself a follower of Jesus, that does not reflect and radiate Jesus Christ. We need to be careful. It concerns me that people look at these posts knowing that we are followers of Jesus, and these posts do not reflect Jesus, and it reinforces negative beliefs about Christians that non-believers have. Respect is not agreeing, or it's not even liking those in authority. Respect is, treating, respect is treating those in authority with honor and graciousness and kindness and love. 
Our second responsibility as followers of Jesus and as citizens of Canada is to respect those in authority. And I think most importantly and thirdly, we are called to pray for those in authority. Followers of Jesus are called to pray for any and all governing authorities. And to make sure the writer, the writers, Peter and Paul, to make sure that we got this, they used four words to emphasize this. They didn't have underlining. They didn't have boldness. They didn't have exclamation points. So they repeated things just so that they got the point, that we got the point that it's important. They, used, they said, with all prayer, with all petition, with all intercession, and think about this praying for our leaders, with all thanksgiving, we are to pray for those in authority over us. Pray with a thankful attitude. God is not interested in grumpy, reluctant, negative, complaining attitudes. God responds to sincere prayers from a thankful heart. A series we did a long time ago, Pastor Austin uh, said this. He asked a very important question. I think it applies to all of life, including our response to governing authorities. Do we complain more than we pray? Do we complain more than we pray? Can I add, do we post negative things more than we pray? I, I have made it a personal goal to pray every day for those who govern us in whatever capacity. And let me encourage you to weigh your time and ask yourself, do I pray more than I complain? A third responsibility as followers of Jesus, as citizens of Canada, is to pray for those in authority. Our second citizenship is the kingdom of Jesus. The kingdom of Jesus is the rule of Jesus in the hearts of people. Unlike earthly kingdoms, Jesus' kingdom is not built on getting or keeping power. It's built on sacrifice and service. Jesus' kingdom is an upside-down kingdom. There's this beautiful poem. It's in the book of Isaiah. The city of Jerusalem has just been destroyed by Babylon, a great kingdom in the north. And all of these Jewish people, they've been sent away into exile, but a few remained in the city. And they're left wondering, what just happened? Has our God abandoned us? Right, because Jerusalem was supposed to be the city where God would reign over the world to bring peace and blessing to everyone. Now Isaiah had been saying that Jerusalem's destruction was a mess of Israel's own making. They had turned away from their God, become corrupt, and so their city and their temple were destroyed. Yeah, everything seems lost. But the poem goes on. There's a watchman on the city walls, and far out on the hills we see a messenger, and he's running towards the city. He's running and he's shouting, good news! And Isaiah says, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news. Beautiful feet? Yes. The feet are beautiful because they're carrying a beautiful message. What's the message? That despite Jerusalem's destruction, Israel's God still reigns as king, and that God himself is going to one day return to this city, take up his throne, and bring peace. And the watchmen sing for joy because of the good news that their God still reigns. Now, in the New Testament, we find this same phrase, the good news. It's the Greek word euangelion, and it's also sometimes translated with the word gospel. Yeah, so when Christians say, do you believe the gospel, 
they mean, do you believe the news? But not just any news. In the Bible, this phrase is always about the announcement of the reign of a new king. And in the New Testament, the Gospels use this phrase to summarize all of Jesus' teachings. They say that he went about proclaiming the good news of God's kingdom. So Jesus saw himself as the messenger, bringing the news that God reigns. Yes, but the way that he described God's reign, it surprised everybody. I mean, think, powerful, successful kingdom. It needs to be strong, able to impose its will, able to defeat its enemies. But Jesus said the greatest person in God's kingdom was the weakest, the one who loves and who serves the poor. And he said that you live under God's reign when you respond to evil by loving your enemies and forgiving them and seeking peace. This is an upside-down kingdom. Now, Jesus also said that this kingdom was arriving with him. Yeah, so for example, there's this really interesting story where there's a high-ranking Roman officer, and he comes to Jesus begging him to heal his servant. And he even calls Jesus his Lord, acknowledging that Jesus is his authority. Jesus praises this man for recognizing what no one else yet had, that not only was Jesus announcing God's kingdom, he was the king. And so the word gets out that this Jewish man from Galilee is talking and acting like he's the king of Israel. He's appointing 12 disciples, which are an image of Israel's 12 tribes. He's healing people, forgiving people their sins. And all of this so threatened Israel's leaders that they finally decide to have him killed. And Jesus let them. Yeah, which is a weird thing to do if you're trying to become king. That's right, but for Jesus, this is what had to happen. Jesus saw the sin and the devastation of his people Israel as just one small part of the entire human condition. How all humanity has rebelled against God, resulting in the tragedy and devastation of our whole world. So how is God going to bring his reign over such a world? Jesus believed it would be through an act of sacrificial love for his enemies. This is why in the Gospels, Jesus' crucifixion is depicted as his enthronement as the king of the Jews. Yeah, he receives a crown. He also receives a robe. He's exalted up, not onto a throne, but onto the cross. How beautiful are the feet that bring good news. And the good news now is that Jesus has defeated death and that he reigns as king, that he's dealt with our sin and corruption himself and that he's conquered it with his life and with his love. And then Jesus sends his followers to go out and keep announcing this good news of the upside down kingdom. And to invite everyone to give their allegiance to him, the king who defeated death with his love. Jesus was lifted up and glorified, not by gaining power, but by being crucified, sacrificing his life out of his love for us. If we claim to be followers of Jesus, we need to reflect and radiate the values and priorities of our King, Jesus. When people read our posts, hear our words, experience our attitudes, they should see words and attitudes of Jesus. The challenge we have as kingdom citizens is before we speak, before we act, we need to ask, 
does this reflect Jesus? When people encounter and experience me, when they encounter and experience you, do they experience Jesus? Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you for challenging us and maybe even convicting us in areas where we are not reflecting and radiating Jesus. And we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would build the truths we have learned this morning deeply into our lives, that we would remember them and by your power we would practice them in our actions, in our attitudes, and in our motivations. May we be the light, the life, and love of Jesus. For we pray in his name, with thanksgiving, amen.